All right, welcome to episode number 10. Oh, shit, shit. It's like 12. 12, episode 12 shit. or 13, one of those two. <laughs> oh, it should be 13, damn it. Yeah, it is. Oh, it should have been episode 13. What the hell? Oh, damn it. The fuck were we doing? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, the freaking uh, internet was acting up on us, so we're starting a little bit late. I ended up actually driving 70 miles to get decent internet. Um, such as the first world problems we experience. That works. Uh, but yeah, you're right. This should be episode 13. I think we might even be on episode uh, 14. No. That's tw- it's 12. It's 12. Damn, we should have held off. But oh, well, I, I'm, I'm like brimming about uh, the two episodes or the two movies. Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I, the whole time I tried to keep in mind, because you had posted on Facebook that you thought you liked the 2005 version a little better. And I, I'm torn. You know, whenever I was watching the 1976 John Carpenter, I, I, I don't think I said that. I did okay. not say that at all. Okay, I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I was no, like, no, 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 no way is the 2005 <laughs> version better. Um, and like one thing that I really noticed, uh, uh, when watching the 1976 video is, did you ever notice that like the bad guys in 70s movies are like all exactly the same? They're all like, you know, like <laughs> these really, they're like these greasy. You know, these greasy gang members that are like vaguely Marxist, you know, they have like, and they all wear, there's always got to be a guy wearing a headband. Like, you know, you know, the bad guy in the seventies movies because somebody's wearing a headband. Well, if you notice, they're all like different ethnicities. It's, there's like the white guy, the Hispanic, the black guy, and then the, um, was there an Asian? Who's the other guy? There's a, I think there's, yeah, there's an Asian too. Yeah, well, and they're actually all listed. They're actually all listed in the credits as like their ethnicity warlord. Like, you know, the one yeah, guy yeah. is the black warlord, and the one guy's the white warlord, and the one guy's the Chicano warlord. It looks like Che Che Guevara. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's why I was saying like, like they always seem to have some sort of like vaguely Marxist attire, and like I could just think of so many '70s like movies where they were like that, like Last House on the Left. Or, you know, like the Warriors or, um, yeah, I, I, just the list goes on and on and on. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, um, and I think this applies to movies in like the modern age or at least this century in general is that our movies have gotten kind of watered down compared to the 70s. You know, like, yeah. like the, they, they completely cut the, the whole sort of basis for the movie out where the guy freaking kills the little girl like just just like hey it's christy mcnichol as a small child let's blow her the fuck away you know like they took that completely out yeah like they didn't even try like to like top it or do anything like that whatsoever in the new one which was kind of like like i don't know what the like it's one of those things with i'm i wasn't a big fan of the, the new one because like i didn't understand the point of it right kind of thing it's it was like, it's like your basic action movie but it's like even that was just like it was a little even more down for that even yeah you know like it seems like they just sort of like you know homogenized it so that people wouldn't be completely shocked and like yeah you know how much more dangerous was the world in the 70s that the fucking ice cream man carries a gun around with him <laughs> like, exactly. like the ice cream man's like oh creepy gang members good thing i've got my 38 i thought holy shit man you're an ice cream man <laughs> And and he's like his own boss, so like he could essentially go anywhere, and like he still <laughs> chose to go to this to the to like 
essentially like the ghetto. Like, yeah, like, like the most terrible. But the, the, by all accounts, like the whole first five minutes of the movie is establishing like how terrible of a neighborhood that is. You know, the guy's there to get some yeah. woman out because it's such a bad neighborhood. And like on the radio, it talks about how, you know, there's organized gangs running around with stolen automatic weapons. And if they unite, things are going to go bad. As they unite. <laughs> as they as they unite, you know. And I love how they're just like like vaguely whacked out cultists and drug addicts. Like it doesn't actually show them, you know, espousing any kind of cult ideology or any sort of or actually doing drugs. But just by looking at them, you think these guys are whacked out on drugs and into a cult, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was it on some of the commentary Carpenter talked about Night of the Living Dead being a huge influence. So that kind of helps. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I wouldn't I wouldn't call I wouldn't call this a zombie movie for Ed by any means, but like you can see the influence. No, but sure. you know what it does remind me of is the um the Charlton Heston version of I Am Legend. You know, which kind of had mm. the, like I mean it was kind of a zombie movie. I, I I don't know, for some reason I made that comparison when I was watching it. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like a it's like this is more of a siege movie than like a diehard movie. Yeah, and there's a whole thing list of like siege movies you can like. They could be both like Die Hard and Siege movies at the same time, but this is more of a siege movie. It's probably I Am Legend is more like a siege type of situation than right. So. Um, and, you know, you felt way more sympathetic towards um, Napoleon Wilson in the '76 version than um, Lawrence Fishburne's gangster in the the 2005 version like i mean you know lawrence fishburne he was like kind of cool and it's like yeah you're morpheus and you know he's always kind of playing that like articulate articulate scary black man guy you know mm, yeah. um whereas i'd never seen that actor who played uh napoleon wilson in the the first one and i thought like his whole hey you got a cigarette thing was great yeah i mean that was the thing too it's like at first, first of all, they <laughs> what they did with the, the with the remake is they still name the black character Bishop, but they make the black character the drug dealer guy. Right? Like, like how badass would fucking Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne would have been as like the Austin Stoker character from the first one? Absolutely, like, he would have been awesome as like, absolutely as the captain. Like that would have been fucking would have been fucking. It would have been so perfect if if he had well, and even it even starts out that. Um, when Ethan Hawke was undercover, he was undercover as Napoleon Wilson. Like it's it's real brief, and I, and it's something that I probably oh, really yeah I wouldn't have noticed it if I hadn't watched them back to back. But the I guy know, the yeah. guy says the the like the, the weird East Albanian says uh, <laughs> you know, the Turkish slash like Russian yeah guy, yeah like the vague the Serbian. vague Eastern European <laughs> gangster. You know he says to him. He says, you know, you're crazy, Napoleon Wilson. And, and then he says immediately afterwards, he goes, hey, yeah, by the way, do you have a cigarette? Which is, like, obviously a reference to the original uh, Napoleon Wilson. But, like, yeah, how good would that have been if Lawrence Fishburne had played, you know, the, the lieutenant or captain or whatever taking over the precinct, and then Ethan Hawke had been the crazy killer that was locked up? It would have been perfect, you know? Yeah, maybe that's what they were playing with at the beginning of that one to make you go, "Oh, this is gonna be Napoleon Wilson," but then that didn't happen. But yeah, it's like I don't know, like yeah, Napoleon Wilson. Like I think Carpenter even says like that's like that was like his neighbor or like somebody he just like lived near, right? And, like he just he just thought like had a cool vibe, so he just like cast him, and he wasn't really in much after after this, right? And I I think that's also something that a lot of modern screenwriting in general is kind of missing. 
is that they're so concerned with giving the characters like backstories that they take away some of the mystery of them. You know, like in the seventy six, oh yeah. you know, like in the seventy six version, yeah. Napoleon Wilson, like they said, well, why did you kill all those people? And he said, well, you know, the preacher said I had an air of death about me, and it turns out he was right. And that's all you get of his backstory. That's, that's it. You know, that's and it. it's just like this guy's awesome. And then, like, and like for like the new one, it's like you get like you get to see Ethan Hawke with the whole like like deal go bad. But then you get Maria Bello coming back saying, "I know why you're you're drinking and you're this and that because of you know." see the first 20 minutes of the movie it's like right i'm gonna spell you're, out you're, I'm gonna spell you're telling out me twice audience, <laughs> i'm gonna spell out for what the audience just saw for 20 minutes in case they were freaking too stupid to pick up on that you know that was the thing too it's like when i was watching i was like they could have just started with him going to the precinct that's and like everything else was like because you spell everything out afterwards anyway <laughs> like, right right you could everything, just... everything you see before they get to the precinct like they just talk about again and again yeah, and well, and you know, and it was such a letdown too. Like I thought, Ethan Hawke playing that undercover guy I was like, this guy's awesome. You know, they just punched a dog <laughs> in the face, and then he pulled up another guy and punched him in the face. This is great. And then it goes to being like, kind of like wussy. I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, why did you slow the pace down so much? Yeah, it's like, oh, you're, he's a dr- he drinks now. He's scared of shooting people. I'm like, I what, whatever, whatever. It's whatever. Right, and you know, and. They try so hard to make the 2005 version believable that it becomes less believable. You know, like in the 76 yeah. version when there's just these crazy gang members taking siege in an empty police station. You know, I mean, yes, it's still really far-fetched, but you're thinking, yeah, okay, you know, he's doing whatever. But then you're like, okay, wait. So you're trying to tell me they mobilized a police helicopter to go assassinate exactly. a police <laughs> officer in a precinct house. You know, like... Somebody's gonna notice exactly. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I saw the helicopter fly. I was like, "What? Like, is the entire? I don't understand if the entire police force is behind this. Like, I don't understand like what the the issue is." Yeah, so, like you know, I mean, and it's just just like as somebody who you know works in law enforcement, and you know, there's just like so much bureaucracy, and I mean, you can't <laughs> even you can't even tie your shoes without having to ask somebody's approval and then fill out a form about it. You know. <laughs> it's like, and then like spoiler, Brian Dennehy's be like in on it too. I was like, I don't like who's not in on it. Like, yeah, there's two guys not in on it. Like, yeah, and you know, and then of course, I I I actually have to give it credit. I did. I I, I liked John Leguizamo a little bit more than I thought. Like, as soon as I saw John Leguizamo, if as soon as I see him in everything, I go, oh fuck, you know. Um, but he actually wasn't that bad in this, um, as far as just playing like a whacked out drunk junkie. He actually made me laugh a couple times, which is a huge surprise for John Leguizamo. Yeah, he had the one line where the, the cop goes, uh, why are your eyes all red? What do you, what do you want? And then he goes to the cop, he's like, your eyes are all glazed. Too many donuts? Or yeah, he's like, he's like, your eyes you are all red. Did you just do drugs? And he was like, your eyes are all glazed. Did you just eat a donut? And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's like the best line in the movie, probably. Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I really, I just, I, I couldn't, I mean, it was weird because I did kind of like Assault on the, the 2005 version, but like as a separate yeah. entity to the 2000 or the 1976 version. Yeah, I was trying to like separate them and just watch it as like a movie movie. And even that way, I was like, it's just like, 
they just kept talking. Everybody just kept talking so much. Yeah, like, and it was I just, like I just didn't understand. Like, like even in like the nineteen seventy six version had like less money, and like so then like most movies are just like well, well, dialogue's free, so you can just have like everybody talk. Right. And this movie, there's like no dialogue whatsoever. And it's like yeah. And like this movie, the other movie had like all the budget, and like everybody has to have like like forty monologues about. But why everything and, and why yeah. did do why did they do crime like <laughs> yeah and it's like come on you don't have to justify it it really don't it, it's an action movie and uh, you know and it's like uh, I I actually read a thing about Clint Eastwood um, in the Good the Bad the Ugly uh, and I think it was it, another good example was the 1976 where when he got the original script for the Good and Bad the Ugly he took out a a pen and just scratched yeah. out like three quarters of his dialogue. And they said, like, you know, why are you doing that? And he's like, this character is supposed to be really mysterious. And any reference to himself before what's going on immediately ruins the character. And, I mean, he was so right, you know. And I feel like it was yeah. kind of the same way in the 1976 version that they forgot about in the 2005 version. Like, they're like, oh, we need these characters to all be superhuman and be relatable. And it was, like, made them actually less relatable. <laughs> yeah, because, like... Uh... It's like Austin Stoker, like the the main uh, sheriff. Like he has a couple references, like that he grew up in the ghetto and he got out, and it's not. That's all you need, like yeah, from this character. You know everything about him. It's like he grew up there, but like he has chosen not to be like that, and that's why he's more straight laced than most people. Like right. that's, that's that's all you need. <laughs> like yeah, and and that was enough for you to go, yeah, I like this guy. You know, he's yeah. And um, I I did like uh. Oh, I don't know what her name is. The Adrian from The Sopranos, the sec- the secretary. Um, I did like her character. Yeah, she was she, she was alright, but for the best thing is like there was like no like subtlety to her whatsoever. Basically, she, like people just show up, like oh, you like the fuck guys. Yeah, she's like yeah, I like the fuck guys. Yeah, she's like I fucked some guy in a, in a baseball stadium, and the janitors watched. It was awesome. It was like all it's right. Like, <laughs> It's like, but I'm giving all that up on New Year's because it's New Year's Day. I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. Yeah. And, you know, normally I really like the kind of character of the alcoholic, drug addict cop that, you know, that's, he's seen too much. But again, it, the, the backstory was so much that it took away from that. You know, you never, you never got the chance to say, well, why is he so fucked up on drugs and alcohol, you know? Or it's like, oh, what really happened? Like, what, ha- what did happen? Right. Of like leaving it up to you, like they show you what happens, and what happens is like, <laughs> just like I learned, like the guy was hiding behind a dumpster and killed everybody. Like I don't know, like it wasn't that big of a. It's like, like I don't know, like why the dumpster was there, and they're like, I don't know which way to go. Yeah. And then next thing you know, they're being shot in the face. I'm like, I don't like. Well, it I wasn't like, that like. I like I mean, it's tragic, but like it's, it wasn't like that. I feel like he would have dealt with something that like that before, and like I don't know. Yeah, and another question that I had whenever in that first scene was: so she's laying on the couch, the girlfriend slash undercover agent, right? And you yeah. know, the cop makes the freaking other guy and realize, or the the drug dealer makes the other guy and realizes he's a cop. And so then instantly, she's got like a full size police fucking radio out of nowhere. It's like, how did she just walk that into a huge drug deal without nobody noticing? <laughs> you know, like, oh, don't mind my police issue radio that's fucking huge that I can't hide on my scantily clad body. <laughs> don't worry, it's a bong. Yeah, it's a bong. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
But yeah, I I really like um and I it's funny cuz every time I watch an early John Carpenter movie, I I remember again and like I forget that he did did all his own soundtracks. You know, like I was like, "Wow, this movie sounds a whole hell of a lot like Halloween." I was like, I guess he hired the same guy to do the score. And then I saw the credit that he, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. He did all the scores to his earlier movies. He does all of them. It's so good. Yeah. It's so it's such a good soundtrack. Well, and you know, it's great because with him doing his own score, you can tell that the music is there to enhance exactly what's going on on screen versus a lot of other movies where they take songs to adapt to what's going on to the screen. You know what I mean? Like you can tell that he wrote that whole soundtrack like minute for minute for what was the the action of the movie that he was seeing in his head, you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It complemented the weather and the, other than telling you like what's going on, like 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 the like the remake, the score is just your basic action action movie, yeah. movie score, right? Like, hey, let's just <laughs> kick the movie, kick this guy some money. Except except, let's talk about that sweet sweet end credit song by KRS One. Oh yeah, where he explains the entire movie back to you. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the freaking su- the the summary rap. <laughs> oh my god. I think every movie should have a summary wrap at the end of it. That would be sweet. Yeah, but you know, now that I really think about it, <laughs> um, is that Halloween? Halloween probably wouldn't been as great of a movie as it was with without that freaking John Carpenter soundtrack. You know, like I mean, it yeah, would, it's, it's, I think. Oh, go ahead. He basically does that stuff like out of necessity too. It's like, well, they can't, he can't afford, they can't afford like somebody else to do it, so he does it himself because he knows enough of. I mean, enough music. And... Right, he had a keyboard and a sampler. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like that soundtrack to Halloween is just, I mean, it's amazing. It it really heightens the fear slash, you know, craziness of the movie, the original Halloween. Um, and it's just, it's just funny to think that, you know, that was done because he couldn't really afford anything else, you know? Yeah, it's like when you watch any of his movies now, it's like the, the soundtrack is so much more like prevalent. Right. Like, like 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 back when you first start watching his movies when like I was a kid I'd watch him be like this is kind of cheesy and this music is kind of like dated right but then you, then you like, I, like I've learned to appreciate like definitely what Carpenter was doing with the, with the, the music, music and everything yeah. I'm trying to think in general I'm trying to think of what the music in um Big Trouble in Little China was like but I, it's it's like I'm kind of drawing a blank on that one for what Big Trouble in Little China. Um, it was him too. It was him and I think another guy. <laughs> they had now they had a sweet song too at the end called "Big Trouble in Little China." Oh, that's where, right, "Big Trouble where, in Little China." China. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> because that's that's John Carpenter and like this editor Tommy Lee Wallace who also makes movies and like who else was this? I think it's Nick Castle, who was who was the shape in Halloween. Nick Myers, okay, in Halloween. It's like there's. It's like those three guys called the Coupe de Ville's, and they, they did the, the the main theme there at the end. It's just, there's a video somewhere, too. You can find that, the music video for that, too, which is amazing. Nice. Of the yeah. three of them, like, playing. <laughs> yeah, so actually, good. I think I remember seeing that it's, like, the three of them playing interspersed with clips from the movie, right? Yeah, and they're, like, wearing, like, I think they're wearing, like, weird glasses. Yeah. Some, some neon, and they're just, like... <laughs> I've come to the conclusion like, that the '80s were the shit. 
Like, yeah, it's one of those like, things that, you know, we both lived through it, and I don't think we really appreciated how awesome it was until we had to go through, like, the 90s and the 2000s, and we're like, these are nowhere near as awesome times as the 80s. Big big, uh, big jackets with rolled-up sleeves, you know? Yeah, and freaking hair teased up to the freaking sky. That was good stuff. Yeah. Um, and part of that's because I've been listening to a lot of 80s music. Uh, I, I have Sirius as part, like I bought a new car and Sirius came as part of the package. And yeah. like all of the channels kind of irritate me because it's it's not like everything I want. Like the punk channel, it'll have like one punk song that I like and then three that I'm like, man, this is freaking crap, you know. Uh, but the 80s channel, it's like three out of five of the songs they play. I'm like, oh, this song's awesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like any more like like the only thing I want to listen to in the car when I get in the car after like work or whatever. It's like, you know what? I just want to hear some Kiss. Yeah, like, why yeah. not? Because <laughs> every Kiss song is like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is what I want to hear right fucking now. Yeah, well, <laughs> and then there's Kiss is another great band because they didn't try and do anything other than be like, hey, we want to freaking write songs that are great to party and rock and roll too, you know? Yeah, and I saw them in Vegas a couple years ago at the Hard Rock. They have they were having a show or whatever. Oh, nice. They're like residency. Oh, it was so fucking good. Like, oh, it was the best thing ever. Nice. Now, was it the original Kiss, or was it Gene and Paul and the other guys? Yeah, it was Gene and Paul and, like, the two other guys. Right. Um, although, which, is, which is fine. Yeah, like, like, really, as long as Paul Stanley's there going, like, you know, hello, Las Vegas, then you're good. You know, you know you're going to be all right. Oh, yeah, he, he, like, swung out to, like, this, this weird, like, uh, like bridge they like came out over the audience and then he like he sung like love gun like oh, while nice. of us. i was like oh my god he's above us singing love gun <laughs> that's awesome I, I don't know if you remember this um but jason arnold when we were growing up was like a kiss fanatic i mean he, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. had like a whole shelf of kiss bootlegs videos and stuff and we had this like long-running joke where when we went to McDonald's, we would order our food like we were Paul Stanley. Like, we would be like, I will have a number one. I would like Coca-Cola with that and make it super size. <laughs> you know? And the people at McDonald's thought we were idiots, but we thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I don't know how many times I'd be just like, I play the trout. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. He had that interview where he was like, he was like, yeah, so you're the bass player. He's like, no, I play the trout. <laughs> play the trout yeah ah. and then he goes oh so that's right you're the guitarist and he's like no i'm a plumber and he's like oh well then i've got a pipe backstage you can work on and ace Frehley's like yeah <laughs> oh that was the best because gene simmons and paul stanley are just like oh my god <laughs> yeah like they're so pissed at ace <laughs> and at one point the interviewer is like Gene, can you please save me from Ace? Gene, can you please save me from Ace? Uh, play the trout. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um. But yeah, I, I, I kind of see the... the I, in the 1976 version, I really see the precursor to Die Hard, you know, where... It wasn't mm. quite that the idea of terrorists like taking over this place and having one guy trapped trying to fight his way out, um, but it was still kind of the same thing, you know, sort of one man against the elements, um, and then he gets himself, he makes friends with a criminal, which you don't really see a whole lot of that anymore either. It's usually there's there's very few um, stories where two people at the opposite ends of the spectrum are forced by circumstance to join forces, <laughs> you know. 
I think Napoleon is like, yeah, it's just like it's, he's probably like a, a worse character than the the Lawrence Fishburne character, right? Probably he's probably done worse, but like you don't know that, and like it's so vague and kind of like just hints at so much, and like he's such a charismatic guy. Yeah, he's like I don't know what this guy's done, but I, I, I hope he lives. <laughs> yeah, you you know, like because like I mean, if anything, it hints around that he just like basically went on a ki- killing spree for the hell of it. Um, you know, but it, you know, of course it never actually tells you, but you do start liking him. Like, you know, the warden kicks him out of the chair and he's like, well, you know, I don't sit in chairs like I used to. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best. Cause he's like, the guy's telling him, like telling him all the rules. And he's like, did you hear me? He's like, you mumbled a little, but I get the general idea. Yeah. I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> I like, that's a fucking like great line. Jeez. Yeah, you know, and actually, now that I think about it, that's that's kind of one of the reasons, or some one of the reasons why I think maybe John Wick, the original John Wick, I haven't seen the second one yet, but one of the reasons why that was one was so successful was it's the first time in a long time that you've seen a hero that doesn't give you a whole lot of information, that is just a badass for the sake of being a badass, you know? And I mean, of course, even yeah. he had some backstory with his wife and everything, but, you know, it's not like... The psychologist comes and reiterates the last fifteen minutes of fucking story to him, and yeah, you don't you don't find out how bad, big of a badass he is until like the was it the Russian guy like tells a little story about about the boogeyman or whatever. And yeah, he's the boogeyman. Yeah, and he's like, you don't seem to understand what you've done, you know. Well, and even that's like it's like a vague story about I think was that the one about the killing with the pencils or something? Yeah, or he said he saw him kill six men in a room with a pencil. Yeah, but you don't see it. You know, I think certainly in the sequel, I think you do. I think or something. Right, and I've heard the sequel's not as good. I haven't. It hasn't come out for me to watch yet, but I'm gonna. Yeah. Because like you know, but, yeah, and I mean like in that one, freaking um, John Leguizamo's in that one, and that that gives you a hint of the badass. Like when he comes in, like with the with the car, he's like, "Yeah, I yeah. stole this car," and he was like, "You did what? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you a fucking idiot?" <laughs> But yeah, I do. I feel like I feel like we do need some more action like with action movies where, you know, you don't get this big hero who's got this big long story and stuff. You don't really need it, you know. I mean, a, a hero a hero doesn't have to have this crazy long backstory. He just has to have a little bit of humanity and a lot of kicking ass, you know. It's a, and it's like the, with the rest of the the group too. With like in seventy six, they have like two or three lines that like hint at their backstories and this and that. But then like the the new one is like, I'm pretty sure the was it what's his name? Um, whoever plays Smiley, the hip hop yeah hip hop guy, right? He he's introduced about five times that his name is Smiley and this is what the whatever he does or whatever. It was like what do you, I don't like I don't care who yeah. Smiley is. Yeah, why why make why you keep telling me like what you do or what you whatever? It's like I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's fine. He talks about himself in the third person. We get it, you know. Yeah, and like, it's like you could just learn as you go instead of like having them stop, like introduce yourselves. I'm like, let's not do that. Come right, on, right. You know, like yeah, in the '76 version, there was the random black guy who was just like, "Hey, I'm a big, scary, random black guy." Like that's all you needed, you know, because is that you knew he wasn't going to be the stand-up guy to help the freaking lieutenant or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd be interested to know. I mean, you have to think that when they've got this big whole room of people adapting the screenplay that somebody didn't go, man, wouldn't it be awesome if Lawrence Fishburne was the cop and the and Ethan Hawke was the, the criminal character? 
and just like yeah, just like in, instead of just like changing everything up like because it just seemed like they just went through like scene by scene was like okay let's do this the exact opposite of right. the original just just because yeah or i mean it like, could be like, like that whole thing that I, we were saying in the beginning about like watering down the movies is maybe they were like well we can't have a guy who's just basically a thrill killer being a hero you know we've got to yeah. present somebody who you know is a drug dealer who you know the audiences can kind of sympathize with because he's a black guy from the ghetto and and you know he didn't have yeah. a choice versus the napoleon wilson like you don't know what he did you just know it was really bad you know yeah i never really quite understood like what on fishman's thing was i'm they, i'm sure they explained it at some point but i think i would zone out a lot of the times when they just right. like, after like the fourth time I, I was hearing everybody talking about stuff i was like i don't know if i give a shit like one i feel like was he in on something? Like I know, yes. like he was a killer, but like, did he? Like I'm, Lawrence, I wasn't sure. Like what? Lawrence Fishburne's whole backstory in that was that he was the big drug dealer in Detroit. He was the main guy in Detroit, and he mm-hmm. co-opted a unit of police, and mm-hmm. they wanted more money, and they he said no. And so when they, whenever he met the one representative of the police, the cop said, "I'm going to kill you because you're not going to give us more money." So he killed the cop and ran away and got arrested. Um, and, by the cops and then Gabriel Byrne and his right, guys are the, are the cops. Right, and then and they okay. came because if he testified, they'd all go to jail. Yeah. Yeah, and see, that's Unnecess- just nowhere oh, unnecessary. Oh, unnecessary. Completely oh, unnecessary. unnecessary, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, freaking Napoleon Wilson was just like, yep, a priest told me once when I was a kid that I had an air of death about me, and it turns out he was right. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah, it's like, there's so many people in the, the new one, too. Like, there's so many characters. It was like, so many people yeah talking and yeah the the, the minimalist of, of, the, of the original is just like so good and like right well, it's the, funny because i was listening to the i was gonna i was listening s- to the commentary a little bit before we started mm-hmm. and Car- carpenter was talking about how like it's like a slow-paced movie like a western right he's like in like and if, I, if he's like oh if i did this like today i definitely would have sped it up and this and that i was like i don't know if you should though like, i thought the pacing in that was really good it's like, like it feels like so like calculated that just like it's just such a build build and then when the action comes the action is just like so fast like yeah like a western well, and, and like, like i way- was gonna say the climax in the 76 version is so good and it doesn't rely on a big budget you know it's just the three of them hiding behind a sign beating up hundreds and hundreds of freaking gang members and then setting them all on fire like exactly like, I mean, that's freaking great you didn't need the helicopter you didn't need the big freaking you know all of this stuff it was i just was amazed at that um but I, i'm like, pretty sure like oh go ahead go ahead no um i think it did and yeah the, the scene at the end of uh the 76 version i think it's like you don't even like see the explosion right i think it's just like some lights and some like, yeah. like some sounds yeah. i think you don't even see it it's nope. like Mm-mm. There's some lights and some sounds, and then a bunch of charred corpses, and that's it. Yeah. And, but that's good. It's amazing, you know. Um, and like, I mean, I don't know. The pacing in the first one was great, you know. I mean, freaking Christy McNichol rolls up to the ice cream man. Some crazy gang member shoots shoots her in the chest, and then her dad goes buck nuts, chases him down, and freaking kills him. It's like this is exactly how a movie should roll. <laughs> well it's like yeah like like your motivation for the gang like you were saying before is the first scene like and at first you're like oh the shit the, the the cops gunned down a bunch of gang like gang members but they said it was a shootout if you hear on the radio so it's like 
you're you're all, all of a sudden you're like, wait, is it like was it a shootout or are the cops covering it up? So like you th- almost think the cops are dirty too. Yeah. So that's why the gangs retaliate. Re- retaliate. Right. Ret- retaliate. That's a weird word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so so, so almost like justified enough to go on this like like killing spree. And that's all you need too. Like again, you don't need all these cops. Dirty cops and all this other dumb shit. Right, it's just it's just sort of overkill. And okay. you have one you have one scene that motivates the next scene, and then you get the sheriff, and then you know I mean, right? And they're cut with like the other like the the dad and the daughter. It's yeah, like, yeah. And speaking of her, like I I completely even forgot the name like Christy McNichol until I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, that was like the actress of my childhood. I mean, she was in everything in the late seventies, early eighties. I mean, fucking everything. I think it's actually Kim Richards. But... Oh, is it Kim Richards? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. I'm calling her the wrong name. I'll... So then I'm wrong. She was still in everything. <laughs> she was that, that, act, that actress was like the childhood actress of the late 70s. I've been calling yeah, her. Yeah, because she, she was in the Witch Mountain movies and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. She was in all of that stuff. Like, I just remember being a kid and, you know, like seeing her in everything. Yeah. But that was like that kill is just like, and even Carpenter is like, I don't know if I would do that even today either since he has like kids and that stuff now and he's older he's like i don't even know if i would do that nowadays but right right well i mean it was it was so shocking but like it it was 70s it seems like the 70s was almost like the most over the top era in cinema you know like anything goes yeah because they they were they weren't they just they were still like figuring out how to rate movies then too like yeah they couldn't quite figure out and they still you know PG thirteen didn't come along until like eighty six, so right, right, and like um, you know, just I just was just thinking about it, like you know, those the movies from that era were just so much more shocking than they are today, and I mean, you still get like shock horror films like Saw and stuff, but it, it's different because like like Saw and that genre of movie is it's just shocking for the sake of being shocking, whereas in the seventies yeah. the movies were shocking as a plot device, you know, as just part of the movie. Um, you know, like if you think of like Last House on the Left, that movie is extremely disturbing. And again, they didn't have big special effects. They didn't have a bunch of makeup artists. It was just shocking because it was people behaving really, really terribly. You know. Yeah, like Wes Craven was always good at like that type of like being shocking, but like having a a point of view. Yeah. About it. Same with Carpenter. Like you can tell that he say he's trying to say something about like inner city poverty and like just like cops and his like you know authority and stuff like that right there's all that stuff underlying all of his dialogue and all this everything that's happening right and it and it's good it's good because it gives you the point but not doesn't actually spell it out to you like it does now you know yeah yeah and i mean i'm sure there's still there's still films that are, are doing that now but it just doesn't seem like it's as common as it was back then you know I don't think it's happening in action movies at all, really. It's if anything. No, and you're probably right. You know, with action movies, they're kind of, eh. they're more. There's no like, yeah, they're more just like in your face, or which is you know, which is fine. But you know, like again with the assault, the the remake, it's like the action is not as I think exciting as the the original. Even though the original doesn't have as many gunshots as I think the new one. Right. 
Although they, like, tear, they tear the precinct, when the, when the gang first rolls up, they blow the hell out of that precinct. But of course it's muted because they're all using silencers. So it's basically... Yeah, which is really, which is really cool. Yeah, it's just like a ton of squibs going off everywhere, which is kind of even a little more sinister than whenever they're just completely all out blowing the hell out of the place, you know? Yeah, because the, the, when, the, when the first couple guys who get shot go outside and they get shot, the one lady's like, oh, look, he just fell down. Yeah, and they're all laughing at him. They're all like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then the other guy goes out to check on him. He goes, he fell down too. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. Nancy, it's Nancy Loomis. She was also in Halloween. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I saw the picture of that. Of what? Didn't you have a picture with Nancy on, on the Facebook from the horror convention? Oh, Nancy from Nightmare, Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street. Yeah, because I'm sorry, I was yeah, confusing yeah. the two. But yeah, did you did you get the reference when I said where's the bourbon? Yeah, um, yeah, it was that number. Th- was it was in the third one where where her boyfriend like her mom's boyfriend is like hey honey where's the bourbon and she's like just a second and then like she talks to nancy and then like two seconds later freddie appears and he's like i said where's the fucking bourbon bitch and cuts her head <laughs> off that's like such a great scene oh i loved it <laughs> uh, yeah. um but I, i'm i'm pre- i'm the nightmare on elm street series was the first movies that like, I wasn't even actually allowed to see them. I went and stayed the night at my cousin's house, and he was allowed to watch horror movies. And we sat up and watched them all night once, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just finally... I, I'd, I'd never seen fourth, the fourth and fifth one until recently. And they're actually... The fourth one's actually pretty good. The fifth one's okay, but the fourth one's, like, actually surprisingly pretty good. Is that the one in 3D that was 3D? Uh, that one was... Freddy's Dead. That was like okay. five, six. Because I saw that maybe? one in the theater, and like Freddy had the Nintendo Power Glove with the blades on it. Oh yeah. He was, they were all like they were in the video game, and he was like, "Freddy's got the Power Glove." I was like, "Yes." And he cut off his head, and it flies towards you, of course. Right. Yeah. 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 I actually that was the only Nightmare on Elm Street I actually saw in the theater, but it was pretty awesome. It was in 3D. <laughs> That's awesome. So good. So, so we're at forty minutes now. All right. So, uh, what should we do for shit? Now that it's episode thirteen, I don't know what we should do. Oh, shit, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, it's, I don't know. We should probably find a Die Hard like movie. Um, because <laughs> I, although, like this, still, like, like a thing is, you know, you probably wouldn't have Die Hard if you didn't have the original Assault on Pre Six Thirteen. You know, like you can see where yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of progresses from it. Um, it's not quite. I mean, it's not City Hunter, but I don't think anything's going to be <laughs> fucking City Hunter. <laughs> yeah. It should be called City Hunter on a podcast. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, oh, let's see. I'm I'm looking at our list here. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see. What's uh What's hmm. a passenger fifty seven? Okay. I've never seen that. Cause you ever play ru- ever play roulette? 
<laughs> right? Always bet on black. Always bet on black. That's right. I, yes. I, I, I've never seen the movie, but I know, I know that line. <laughs> oh, we'll have to watch it then. It's it's pretty solid. Too. Nice. Well, and you know, I feel like we should put some Wesley Snipes in there. I mean, we've got Dolph Lundgren. You know, we've got a couple of the yeah, big guys. I think, he, I think he's in a few of these movies too. So yeah, we'll have to check it out and see. Nice. Yeah. So, okay, cool. So Passenger 57 for next week. And, yeah, um, good. Thanks for li- listening. Like, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we are out.